Hey, what is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Alan Kress. Alan, thank you for being here, man. Thank you for having me. Of course. So for the listeners that might not know, will you just give us a quick background on who you are and what you're up to currently? Yeah, so um, I've been in the coaching industry for going about 25 years now, uh, 26 years. Um, originally, I got started in the industry um, primarily working. Actually, I was working in physical therapy first um, and then primarily with just like athletes within the sport realm, meaning uh, football, lacrosse, basketball, like actual athletics. Um, that was kind of my mainstay for probably my first seven to 10 years of coaching. Um, I myself got into competing um, in the competitive bodybuilding world. Um, and then once I started doing that for a few years and then people started asking me, hey, do you coach competitors? Um, and start, So I started taking on that clientele as well. And then that just kind of built and built. Because the thing with the athletes is, I mean, obviously there's more control, like off-season, on-season type deals. And like people like, once I would coach like within the NBA or professionals, like, you know, I'm with them maybe three months, four months out of the year, depending on their season and depending on if they went to a championship or whatever. Um, so that was kind of like an ebb and flow, peaks and valleys through the year. So I graduated more towards like the physique competitor because that's, that's just a constant year-round uh, demographic. Um, so I did that for a good while. And then, uh, at, at, there was a point in that transition to where, um, like things just didn't seem to work the way I wanted them to work. Meaning that, um, I, I was running into like bottlenecks and plateaus and things that didn't really make sense. Like the whole, you know, calories in calories out equation that people were like pushing to the nth degree and things that I thought should happen weren't happening from a physiological standpoint within the clientele. Um, and that like bugs me. Like I need to know why something is happening or why it's not happening. Um, so I started digging a lot deeper, um, into that. And obviously now we're talking about getting into obviously everything from all your hormones to uh, thyroid production, circadian rhythm, and just gut health and obviously the deeper rabbit hole within the systems and trying to find correlations, um, with these plateaus that were occurring and bottlenecks. Um, so obviously I'm going into getting into more of the functional medicine route at that point. And then, you know, I've really been really deep into that side of things, probably the last, I would say six years, give or take six or seven. It's really pushed to that envelope. I still coach competitors, obviously. Um, but now our demographic is, is pretty, uh, it's pretty broad. I mean, it's everything from, a uh, 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 like an IFBB pro to um, to the homemaker at home to a CEO uh, to doctors. Um, there's pretty much every demographic that we touch on, and a lot more lifestyle, obviously, at this point, just because of um, we're getting known for more treating like issues, like if you're talking autoimmune issues or gut issues or hormonal imbalances. Which, funny enough, is coming from like ex-competitors or people that's been competing and done things a little bit too extreme or just not understanding how to kind of delegate processes during that, you know, stressful phase of a prep or whatever. So it's, it's definitely evolved over the last three decades of, of kind of where the practice and the coaching has went through. Okay, absolutely. And like, as I'm sure anyone that listened, listening to that picked up, you're, you come off as like such a well-rounded, like almost – 
and it's very interesting because I didn't know Sam Miller was on Revive until like a couple of days ago. I was really digging into uh, everything that Revive puts out. I'm like, uh, oh, that's crazy. Because I, I remember like when I first came across your content, it seemed like, okay, if you took like Cassim Hansen and Sam Miller and like meshed them together, that almost seems like, like someone that knows so much about all these different aspects of things, which is why, again, I wanted to have you on. So if you wouldn't mind, I want to dig a little bit deeper into the process of getting to where you're at now. Again, like, okay, we are a little bit deeper into like the functional medicine side of things. Are there like a couple or even like a single like client issue that stood out to you that was like really like, okay, I need to evolve as a coach. And like, is there any like standout points on like your journey to get here? Does that make sense? Yeah. um, Yeah, sure. Then there's kind of like the light bulb moments or the eye awakening experiences like, I really need to like level up and increase my knowledge uh, base and, and my skill set, so to speak. Um, and it, I would say it happened more with with our female demographic and, and running into those bottlenecks with them because it's more common to have issues with females than it is males. And even if we have, and we do have issues with males, I mean, we see lots of different cases, but I would say the greater percentage is going to definitely go to a female demographic. Um, the big thing was them hitting walls during like a fat loss phase. Um, and then you like, you would push them harder um, or give them more cardio or whatever. And they just wouldn't get any leaner. Like just nothing would happen. Um, even with sometimes like giving, you know, giving them the refeeds and uh, trying to upregulate metabolic function and whatnot still wasn't happening. Or the other extreme where someone comes to you and they are eating, you know, eight or 900 calories. The thought process before was, okay, simply just feed them up, give them more food. And it will turn things back on and they would be good to go from that point forward. But we were doing that with some people and they were just like gaining exponential amounts of weight um, mm-hmm. and just kind of blowing up, even even making it a slow feed up process. Um, so like, 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 OK, this it's simply obviously there's got to be more to things besides the calorie perspective. Right. Uh, and that's our we started digging into the hormonal pathways um, and the systems where you're balancing everything from your, like for females, obviously progesterone, estrogen, cortisol rhythm, insulin uh, rhythm with uh, their blood glucose levels, because it's like literally if something, one part of the system breaks for the, for the most part, it will have this downstream effect to every other system. Right. And that's the key is figuring out root causes instead of just trying to treat a symptom. Like if somebody has high blood glucose levels, like, okay, don't just lower their carbs. Um, or just give them a GDA um, because you're just trying to get rid of that symptom. Like, well, what the heck is actually causing the symptom? Sometimes, yes, it can be as simple as they've been eating in a surplus for way too long, way too many carbs, and it's just overabundance and we need to pull back for a little bit. Not to say that doesn't help because it absolutely can, but there's other cases where that stuff doesn't work because it's not about the carb intake whatsoever because we've proven that time and time again that we've fixed people by actually increasing their carbs but putting other systems back online in the process. So you know, getting really to that root cause and, and trying to dig in deeper with clientele um, and doing that. So the turning point was definitely with the female demographic. And then that just led into everything else um, to where we are today. And then obviously with the you know biomechanics perspective, I've always just been a, a nerd with that because training athletes and that's where that came from. And I still, I'm always about evolving figuring out more efficient, better ways. And that's the funny thing with the industry, right? Because like parts of the industry will evolve and like, okay, better nutritional practices or like testing hormones or whatever. 
But it, it still seems like with the training perspective, everybody still reverts back to what works, works, the old school ways, blah, blah, blah. Like, look, I'm nothing against like deadlifting and all that kind of stuff. But if for some reason, like you put something a little bit different out there or try to optimize someone's setup and getting more of a mechanical advantage for a muscle you're trying to bias, it's like, oh, that's overcomplicating it, blah, blah. I'm just like, it's like really like you'll periodize nutrition and all that stuff. If we, if we talk about periodizing training or maybe optimizing a movement pattern better or whatever, like it's just stupid and wrong and it's overthinking it, which it just makes no, to me that like, that makes no sense whatsoever. So it's like common sense. Like we need to evolve in every facet of our skill set, and that's training, that's nutrition, you know, functional medicine, whatever. But people are just, they get stuck in these boxes and they don't want to you know, evolve in that aspect. And to me, it's like, I, I don't try to force it upon those people anymore. I'm like, like I'm done because I would get in arguments and just it would be wasting energy on my part. Like, look, if you want to listen and evolve, awesome. I'm happy to help and try to teach and educate. If not, do your thing. And, you know, I'm going to keep doing my thing because we've proven it and we've seen our system work over and over again. And the thing is the periodization with the training is where people like, Oh, we well, need to stay on the same exact shit for, you know, 12 months and you're fine. You just need to increase the weight that you lift or the reps that you are doing with that same load, which yes, that hundred percent can work. And that is a form of progressing and progressive overload. There's way more to it. And obviously I come from training athletes where we really periodized, training a lot based on their performance and peaking and all that stuff. The same can be put into the effect with a physique competitor or a lifestyle client because at the same time, from a physiological perspective, there's adaptations occurring and you can't just push one envelope all the time, gain muscle, gain muscle, gain muscle, because when you do that, you're going to downregulate other systems in the body. If you're just pushing hypertrophy, conditioning aspects, aerobic capacity, which will help you build more muscle tissue if you keep these other systems up to par. So it's just mind-boggling to me sometimes that people just, they're just they don't want to be open-minded when it comes to some of this stuff. Absolutely. Okay. And I think that very much ties into the question I was about to ask you, but I'd be interested to hear if you have any other insight here. With younger coaches or newer coaches in the industry, are there, it seems like, like a willingness to evolve, specifically when it comes to training, um, would probably be one of the biggest things you point out, but are there a couple like, okay, this is the most, or these are the most common mistakes I see people in the industry making. Does that make sense? Within training? Within training or nutrition, just like as a whole, like this is where coaches like really, 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 which again, you may have just answered that question, but this is where coaches like, this is where they, I see the industry lagging. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, from I would, I would, two parts so with the nutritional aspect I think that's come a longer way now in the evolution of how to approach nutrition um, for sure. Um, so that I think that is it, it's it's on the right trajectory as far as improving in the industry and get people get better at it and um, regulating things like not letting someone's BMR completely tank or uh, putting things in to be proactive with uh, keeping hormonal function up while they're also in a deficit and mitigating those. Uh, I don't want to say negative things, but it's an adaptation, but obviously we can have extreme adaptations that aren't a positive effect on the body. So trying to mitigate those and that's definitely come up and it's being more talked about more information obviously is out and people are more open-minded to have those shifts in their mindset towards a nutrition part of the plan. I think the training part is, is definitely one that's kind of just kind of stayed and nobody's like really 
going up in the direction I would like to see them go up. Um, and I just, it just, it's like literally gets stuck in the old school mentality. And I think people also need more context when I, like when we talk about it and stuff like that, because I think things get taken out of context too. Like with us, where we periodize training, we do blocks of training. Some people perceive that as we're changing exercises all the time and like muscle confusion block. That obviously that is not what we're doing. We are, we are biasing stimulus. So obviously people know there's like a neurological based stimulus, like strength based training, right? There's like that mechanical tension based training, which people relate to more hypertrophy based uh, adaptations. And then there's also like the conditioning metabolic stress type training stimulus that we talk about which is obviously more like cell volumization and aerobic conditioning. Uh, but we all need to kind of, they all need to be played with throughout the training. Year. Yes. If your goal is hypertrophy and building a ton of tissue, a majority of your training throughout the year needs to be that mechanical tension, hypertrophy based stuff. But there still needs to be periods to where you're training the other facets because they can potentiate better hypertrophy and get progress and get it more in a more of a linear fashion because like with deloading, right? Like people will talk about deloads and they deload in the sense of when shit goes wrong or something breaks, then they take a deload. Like, Oh, my, my, my sleep is worse. My digestion's worse. Or my joints hurt. My back hurts, whatever. And then they like pull volume in half or they just take a week off, um, which obviously is needed as well. But what about, Hey, let's not wait to kind of something breaks. Before we're going to try to fix it, let's just stay ahead of that adaptive curve and don't push the body to that point because we want to kind of keep people moving in as much of a linear progression as we can. Obviously, it's not purely linear, um, but if we can kind of stay ahead of that adaptive curve and like watch the biofeedback, okay, your sleep is getting a little bit worse, your digestion's off a little bit, um, your strength is starting to drop, go in the other direction. Okay, let's, we need to like just nix this at the button. Let's go into another training stimulus that's upregulate other systems in the body to deload from hypertrophy stimulus. So when I say deload, I'm deloading for different reasons than what most people do. I'm deloading that stimulus, but I'm bringing intensity still there with training, but we're bringing up other systems. So if we do like pure metabolic stress-based phases to bring up conditioning, that may be for one or two weeks, that's it, to upregulate those systems because that adaptive process happens much faster than building tissue. Right, because you're improving glucose uptake, nutrient partitioning, um, aerobic capacity. Th those adaptations happen faster, so you don't need to stay in those longer. But then, when you go back to like hypertrophy stuff, you can do it for a longer period of time, and it improves your ability to recover from that because you'll increase like your stress resiliency or your stress threshold, what your body can handle because you upregulated other systems. And I know this sounds a little bit complicated for a lot of people, but it honestly is not. Like when we teach this stuff, and when help our clients understand or our, new, our coaches that we bring on, it's very simplistic. You just need to look at these physiological effects and adaptations that we're going for and then lay them out in a very simplified manner for the client to apply. And then they, we just see more positive effects and less negative effects long-term, which to me is what you need to start doing with people and not pushing one envelope too much and like, okay, you're going to crap, let's just back off a little bit, right? And people just need to start to my, my opinion with the training is bigger than the nutrition and people need to start periodizing in the sense, not like an athlete in the NFL, that's a different periodization, but still periodizing like adaptations that you're pushing with your clients. You cannot just push the envelope of the, the body wasn't made to build muscle 365 days a year. It just isn't. 
That's an mTOR pathway. It's also an aging pathway, right? You can't push that envelope, which is honestly why you see a lot of bodybuilders that are 25 and they look like they're freaking 40 years old because they're pushing that envelope too much, too fast, too often and not regulating those other systems. Okay, absolutely. And this is a relatively similar conversation. A couple of weeks ago, Luke Lehman from Muscle Nerds was on, and we were talking somewhat similar. Like, I know they have their concept of least mode, which I think is different than how you guys, how you periodize things, but very similarly, like, okay, we're going to take this amount of time to focus on, like, you talked about, like, the metabolic phase and the conditioning. Okay, we're going to focus on bringing your aerobic system back up, and that's going to help you, like, you'll be able to get back into a parasympathetic state quicker. You'll be able to recover quicker between sets and and i know that's something like uh, quite a few of the listeners have reached out and like we've discussed back and forth so uh, just to clarify then like when we're talking about okay we're gonna like maybe we're gonna switch from a hypertrophy phase to like again like more of this metabolic phase very similar there like okay when you're referring to other systems like okay we're bringing up your aerobic system which again that's more or less what you're referring to correct in general yeah i mean i know luke really well i've been to muscle nerds i've went i mean I've, i've known him for a while now um, but yeah, it's the same similar philosophy. We all have our little different systems on how we do that, you know, for sure. Um, I'm sure, I mean, he programs a little different than I program, um, but he still has the same, uh, mindset and how he wants to keep his clients moving in the right direction, keep them healthy, keep them balanced with all these other systems that we need to, we need to train and you can't just push one envelope all the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree with Luke way more than I disagree, but we're all going to have little disagreements. Right. And that's the funny thing is like, we agree on a majority of everything uh, and how we approach, but it's, it's like the followers and the people that are like on me or on Luke, they're the ones that kind of argue more than any, like, no, he's better. And we actually agree on most things. <laughs> it's right. just, everybody else is, thinks that we, and we don't argue with each other. It's just, that's the perception because everybody has their niche and I have my followers, he has his, and they think that's like it's a night and day context. And it's really not. But that's just the way, obviously, social media is and the way people perceive things sometimes. But I agree with Luke on a lot more things than I disagree for sure. Absolutely. And that's the funny thing, too, about like, like the podcast roundtables where it's like this person versus this person. And it's like, yeah, the stuff that applies to people like 98% of this we agree on, they're just like this minute difference that probably doesn't make that much difference for most people that like this entire conversation is around but okay cool so i'd like to shift directions just a bit and take it back to something we discussed earlier so for we're talking about oh um okay these female fat these female clients typically focus on fat loss where like for some reason things just don't seem to be working so for a client in that scenario that comes to you Again, like I'm pushing for bad loss, but shit just doesn't seem to be working. Is there like an order of operations you go through to determine, okay, what could potentially be like the root cause here? Yeah. So the first thing, like if we have somebody that's coming to us and obviously a lot of times that's the major goal, like I want to lose fat, I want to get leaner, I want to look better. Mm-hmm. But we have to take like history into account, background into account. Uh, and that'll like allow us to see how we need to start them, uh, what our kind of goal with is them to like, uh, because a lot of people, it's, it's not just go from point A to point B. Like there's a lot of detours along the way, depending on your starting point. But your starting point also has to do with what you've been doing over the last one year, two years, three years uh, with your lifestyle, with your dieting, because what we typically are seeing with females, like females will st- spend 
a majority of the time in the year in a deficit as opposed to in a surplus feeding their body, right? Because they're just, they're always wanting that, that lean body, that lean physique, and they're always pushing that envelope of diet, diet, diet. And then because they're pushing that envelope so much, what ends up happening over time is like the rate of efficiency of like when they go into a deficit each time gets worse, meaning that instead of just maximizing fat loss and pushing that, they start flipping the gears and every time they die, they typically lose more muscle instead of fat. And then every time they feed back up, because now they have less muscle, obviously the metabolic process is slowed down to account for that. And then they eat a surplus for a small period of time. And then, oh, it's time to diet again and jump back into the diet with less muscle that keeps happening over and over again. Every time you do, obviously muscle is very metabolically demanding. Your metabolic rate gets lower and lower and lower. Your BMR gets lower and lower and lower. And before you know it, they're on a thousand calories. And every time they bump up above that, they gain all this weight. And obviously along with that's coming the down regulation of hormones, thyroid, um, the estrogen progesterone balance, testosterone levels are tanked. Um, you could be pushing things like autoimmunity, PCOS. I mean, obviously there's a cascade of health issues that can come along with that. And that's like what we're seeing all the time. And it literally comes back to not allowing their bodies to be fed for a longer period of time. Like you can't diet for 20 weeks and then eat in a surplus for half that time and then go right back into a deficit. Your dieting period at minimum needs and your surplus needs to be like a, a one-to-one ratio at absolute minimum. And it's much more effective longevity-wise and long-term for sustainability that your surplus periods are longer than your dieting periods. Right. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like then the first thing you dig into is, okay, things aren't working. Then first and foremost, it's history, right? Like what have the last couple of years looked like for you? So then when there's let's say it's an individual that's, Hey, I've been right around maintenance for like the last year. Um, but still like suddenly my diet just doesn't seem to be working. then like, what, what do you dig into next? Um, like if, if, okay. So if they come to us and they've been at a decent caloric intake relative obviously to their situation for a good amount of time and stuff still isn't moving, then like with us at this point, like we, it's blood work or a Dutch test. Like there, we got to dig deeper. I'm not going to sit here and just waste time and second guess with what could or could not be going on. Honestly, we prefer for females. We prefer a Dutch panel over a, a blood work because it just shows much things at a much deeper level that blood work just misses, especially with a female with guys. We can get away with just blood work most of the time. Um, and that's like the missing component because then you look at lifestyle, right? right? Like stress in life their job, their just overall lifestyle. Do they have three kids or they working 60 hours a week, which to them may feel normal and they don't perceive that they have much stress in their life because that's just their day to day. So with us like doing like say a Dutch panel, which is going to measure cortisol rhythm. Obviously the biggest difference between it and blood work is that it's measuring your free levels of your hormones. So obviously the metabolites and like, you know, blood serum, which is, not it's like if you see you know free total testosterone and free testosterone like you could have a high total but you could have a tanked free testosterone meaning the bioavailable form to use in your body same thing can be said with progesterone estrogen you know all those pathways so we need to see what what, what your body's actually making and using and then also correlating that to your cortisol rhythm through the day 
that is probably one of the biggest determining factors. Like their cortisol is typically completely out of whack, whether it being high or low. And then that has that downstream effect on your hormones. Because like with your adrenals, like you're in this society and this high stress job, your, your life's just stress, it's finances, it's, you know, your significant other, whatever. Um, and it's always cranked up with that stress response. You can't, your body can't just keep produ- producing cortisol because at some point it's, it's like, okay, it's maxed out. It's like your mitochondria can't just keep producing energy. So it, they're going to tap out. Same thing with your adrenals. So at some point, your body still wants to make it. It's going to start pulling from closest hormones to that. Typically with females, it's going to be progesterone. And that's going to start being depleted. Within, and then that's going to affect estrogen to progesterone ratio. And that's a yin yang. Like they balance each other out. And then over time, you can become estrogen dominant. And I'll see all the negative effects with that. And then you can start screwing up your androgen production and becoming androgen dominant because now we have that DHEA pathway and this loop that happens. And again, it's like, and then now it's like your thermostat, which is your thyroid, is your master regulator. Well, oh shit, like progesterone's down, hormones are down regulated. So I need to turn this down to match that. So like people getting put on thyroid meds because they're hypothyroid, but it's this other stuff that's causing it. Don't put on thyroid meds, fix this other stuff. Right. And you'll self-correct the thyroid with nutrition, lifestyle, and balancing the hormones. But again, here's a doctor, let's put a band-aid on your symptom of hypothyroidism with medication. That's probably one thing that I hate and I, I, I'm I just not for at all unless somebody just doesn't have a thyroid period, like it's been removed. Right. Maybe in that case, we, we would, may, and even then we still have people that don't take meds that don't have thyroids. So it's just a caveat there, but yeah, the interconnection is, is like so huge here, but somebody comes to us and calories are good, they've been eating, but shit just isn't moving or working, then okay, we have to dig deeper. And honestly, with like, Pretty much all clients at this point, just because of the places that we're in, we don't want to waste time and we don't want to go through all these ups and downs and just guessing for three or four months. We want blood work done. Even if you feel healthy, it's still good to have a baseline. Like, where is your health right now? Because if something was to happen down the road, at least we have a baseline to where you were when you were normal. And then we have something to measure that against. So regardless, at this point in our career, in our coaching, it's like, you're going to do a Dutch, you're going to do a blood work or something. Something's going to be done to start with us. Now, you don't have to start with us and have that on hand, but we need to get that done at some point. Super interesting. So then it sounds like when cortisol levels are the issue, either high or low, because that is very much lifestyle driven, how do you go about, first and foremost, I'd like to hear just how you set expectations for the client. Because again, like, that I'm guessing that that's typically like a very type AA work 70 hours a week. Like this is the life that I want to be living, but also, Hey, I want fat loss. Like how do you set the expectation? Like, Hey, this is probably not going to be how things are going to go for a bit. Yeah. I mean, that's usually with us is you, you have to set somebody's expectations up because if not, you're, you're literally going to set them up to fail. So like when we do an onboarding process, like if somebody sends an inquiry form and submission, uh, we always get on a call with them first. Like, we don't just, okay, we're going to take you on as a client. Um, number one, because we need to be open and transparent on, like, digging deeper. And if we see bottlenecks and explain to them the process and being fully transparent and 100% honest with them, like, look, I understand your goal is fat loss, but we need to connect the dots for them and get them to understand, okay, at some point, yes, we, we will focus mainly on that. But we need to do X, Y, and Z to set your body up so we can do that efficiently. 
because if that doesn't occur and like we jump straight into a fat loss phase, which a lot of coaches will do regardless of what's seen on you know their blood work biometrics or their symptoms. Oh yeah, we could put you on 900 calories and do a shit ton of cardio and sure you'll lose some scale weight, but you're also going to set yourself up for failure down the road in a big uphill battle because you're going to destroy your internal systems even worse. So let's take this step-by-step methodically. Like we will line out to a client, like this is the process that we're going to go through. And we never give timelines because somebody that comes and gives you a timeline, like I'm going to fix your SIBO or your hormonal dysregulation or whatever, eight, 10 weeks is full of shit. And that's just being blunt and honest because I see that all the time. There's no way you can predict that. Right. Uh, now, once we get into the process and we see how the body's adapting and moving along in progression, then yeah, we can give a more general outline. Okay, I think it's going to take this much uh, time to help you get into a better place. But we don't ever promise anything like it's going to be done in 12 weeks, eight weeks or whatever. I mean, even to work with us, you can't work with us no less than three months. Like we don't, we won't take anybody on unless that's a minimum because we know how the body works and it takes time for stuff to start moving in the right direction. But if you don't set that expectation from the beginning, that client is going to feel like a failure in like a month because things aren't moving along because in their head, if you don't set the expectation, they think they should be losing fat or they should be losing scale weight or whatever. And that's not happening. And like, Oh, like this is either not working. He's a bad coach or whatever. They just, they don't have any understanding or context behind the process of what's going on. So we have to educate our clients and that's what we pride ourselves on and getting them to understand all of this because it is a long-term process. We ask them, I understand you want to be leaner, but where do you want to be in two years from now, three years, five years? Do you want to have quality of life? Do you want to have something that's sustainable? Do you want to be able to go on vacation and not gain 20 pounds because you ate off plan for a week and enjoyed your life? Like we're setting them up for that kind of success, not this 12-week transformation with a good before and after picture, well, then after that after picture, things go to complete crap. And then now it's another like, oh, now you're even worse off than when we started and we got to fix that. So we try to stay ahead of that. And yes, the reality of it is, I mean, there's always that small percentage of clients that we get and they just get frustrated, you know, regardless of what we tell them, because people just want instant gratification. They want things to be fixed like that. And that's just not the reality. But as a coach, it's a responsibility on our part to make sure that client understands that and we don't give them false hope because if you do that, it's going to obviously mess up their mentality, their psychological effects with everything. It could be depressing for them. You could set off all other kind of cascades if you don't set that stage and that tone from the beginning because we don't want a client to feel like they're a failure. And then we also need to celebrate wins along the way that has nothing to do with the, the scale or body fat, like you were bloated. Oh, I can eat X, Y, and Z without feeling bloated now. Awesome, great, that's progress, right? It's not just about scale dropping down. And I think that's a big missing component now of coaching is we get so hyper-focused on pictures and the scale, they forget about all the other wins along the way. And then if you don't celebrate those wins, you're gonna be missing out on your journey. And like, you don't get to look back like, wow, I've made a lot of change and a lot of progress and it has zero to do with my skill. Right. Absolutely. Cool. That makes, that makes complete sense. So then what, what are the metrics you typically have clients track like day to day or week to week? Uh, the common ones, uh, blood pressure, 
uh, waking heart rates, uh, obviously scale weight. We do obviously have them do their scale weight. Those are the three, just every single check-in regardless that I want to see every time. Now we can get into obviously like blood glucose, um, HRV. I can, I do those well, but that's going to be a case to case because, you know, some people, some clients love data. So they'll track the blood glucose every single week, HRV. And that's great. We have that on their um, check-in submissions that it's a category they can put in there. Well, we don't require it to everybody because some people, it's their psychological. Like people don't, sometimes just don't like doing that every week and it stresses them out to have to do that or see. It's the same thing with scale weight. Sometimes we'll have clients like take a little break from weighing themselves every week because if we keep getting check-ins and a female jumps on that scale and it's not what they want to see, they immediately have a negative connotation of, with that. So it screws up their whole day and they'll just have this negative mindset of self-share you with everything. And again, that's going to jack their stress levels up. That does nobody any good. So like, hey, put your scale away for about a month. Let's just work on you and work the plan and then we'll pull it back out later. So, you know, I mean, it's going to be case to case. The general consensus is always going to be blood pressure, which everybody should be tracking because it has so many other effects on kidneys and everything else in the system. Um, waking heart rate because they're both non-invasive and easy to do at home. Right. right. Okay. okay. So, so I think, I think that, that what you spoke about been one of one of my biggest learning experiences as the coach is like figuring out, okay, just because there are all these things that we can track, like I have so much, like I've learned so much cool stuff. I can help people so much more with all this, but then like also taking into mind, okay, how much can the client actually adhere to versus what is just like, like, okay, I have like such a dope process for this. So I'm going to shoot the client a 30 minute intro video that like explains why we're doing everything. And they're just like, it took this client a week to even get back to me after their initial video because it was just so much that I hit them with. Yeah. Do you ever feel like with like what you're doing here, is it hard to balance that? Like, okay, giving them just enough without it being like, okay, this is just overwhelming and I don't even know where to start. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. I mean, you have to, and that's the personality of the client. So like getting on calls with them and asking them, you know, things that they're comfortable with and you can, you literally can get a feel for these things. And obviously we just directly ask them, um, if we, if they feel overwhelmed, if it's, if it's too much, but we also almost always start with a minimal effective dose. Like we're going to give you two, three things to track and keep track of after a certain period of time that just becomes naturally part of their lifestyle and things that they just do. So it's almost like they don't have to think about it. And once they get to that point, then, okay, if we need to add in something else for them to do, we do it. So that's the thing too, with like, if you're giving them strategies to implement, like for stress management or something, you can't give them a list of 10 things to do. That's going to stress them out just seeing the list. Right. Let's give them one, maybe two things to do. Let them get into the habit of doing those things on a consistent basis, week, day after day, week after week. Okay, great. They do it every single week, all the time. Okay, now we can add one more thing. Then they develop those lifestyles. And that's another thing. You, you cannot overwhelm a client and make it more complicated and harder for them. They're coming to you to make their life easier to an extent um, and take the stress off of them. So you don't want to give them stuff that's going to cause their stress levels to go through the roof because we've seen that happen before. And not that we nail it 100% perfect every time because we'll get feedback over a, you know, a couple of weeks within check-ins like, okay, I'm see, seeing this repetitive negative um, connotation with like what they're having to do here. It's like, okay, then we just talk to them, okay, we need to balance this out a little bit. We need to pull something back because you're just stressing out way too much about this. And then we adjust the plan and move forward from there. Perfect. 
that makes complete sense. So then bringing it back to, again, this individual who like cortisol levels are either very high or lower than we would expect. What's typically, and this is a very general question for something that's probably a very individualized process, but in general, like what are kind of the steps you have people take to manage this? Does that make sense? To manage uh, cortisol rhythm and stress? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the simple, like the, the instantaneous thing that you can do uh, right off the bat is training. Like a lot of times these people are training five, six days a week. You need to pull that way the heck back because um, training is a stressor. I mean, it is what it is. So if you're already stressed out in day-to-day life and then you're training five, six days a week, on top of that, you're just adding to your kind of stress bucket in a sense and you have a threshold for this stuff. So you need something that's going to pull that stress down. So if you're training six days a week, you're going to go down to four days a week, maybe three days a week. I mean, some people we take to two days a week, depending on the case that we get. Um, so you need to pull stress. Down. That's an immediate stressor you can pull down because with stress, you have physical, emotional, environmental, metabolic, right? There's, there's multiple types of stress. So you pick the first one that's the easiest to control and that's physical. So let's pull the training down immediately. From there, then you look at any metabolic stressors that could be going on. So that's coming from obviously a nutritional perspective. Like a lot of times quality of food is poor um, and their, their food source is like really poor. They're obviously meal planning or whatever it is, which is honestly why in the beginning, like a lot of people I know are giving just out macros a lot of times, but you're also leaving a lot of stuff up for interpretation there and somebody that's probably not eating very conducive to what their goal is. So we we write out meal plans and we give them their macros with their meal plans, but we want them to visually see like, these are kind of the foods you need to be eating on a daily basis and how much of it you need to be eating. Because if you just give somebody numbers in the beginning, they can be throwing everything under the sun in there that has zero nutrient value and it has no benefit to their, to basically their goals and to heal their system and to become healthy. So you have to give them guidelines. So pure macro coaches, I just don't agree with. Maybe at a point, once you created that relationship with the client, they understand like they need to be getting certain foods in X, Y, and Z. I do that with clients that's been with me for sure. But in right. the beginning, we're handing them out plans like this. You need to visually see like what we want out of you. And if it's obviously severe health issues and cases, like there's no, no negotiating. Like this is the foods you, you need to eat this way. Because if not, you're going to go back to the habits that you've been doing, which were completely unconducive to what we're trying to accomplish here, right? I mean, because a lot of people aren't setting those boundaries and they're going, I mean, honestly, to the easier route, which is anybody can handle numbers. Like it's not very hard to hand out. Here's your protein, carbs, and fats to get. Diversify them or put them out in the day however you want. As long as you hit the number at the end of the day, yeah, see, and that's where the whole we get misguided with the calories in, calories out crowd, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that goes in between that. It's not just calories. Where are the calories coming from? the nutrient deficiencies you may or may not have. There's other parts that play into systems in the body that people don't look in for. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more, man. I think that one of, again, like one of the mistakes that we made earlier on was like, okay, flexible dieting is great because it allows people some flexibility. But then again, like, as you said, if it's just, okay, here's your macros, then most people like first day to day, there's just no plan they're kind of just winging it and again like as you said food quality typically suffers tremendously and it really doesn't often support what people actually want to accomplish um so 
for these individuals then, what are kind of the signs that you look for that, okay, now this person might be ready for a fat loss phase? Oh, so like, like, like kind of like the green light to, to start okay. pushing a fat loss phase. Honestly, what we do is we, we will almost do like a beta run um, on a fat loss phase. Like, okay, all your markers are looking good. We've been in the surplus for a good amount of time. Uh, there's no negative red flags or anything that's showing up. We'll do a trial run with a fat loss phase. When I say trial run, I'm talking like four to six weeks. Because obviously you have to give the body a little bit of time to adapt um, going into a deficit uh, and see the response. Sometimes it's great out of the gate and then, okay, good. Your body's being responsive. It's moving in the right direction. And there's been other cases to where like nothing is happening. And I'm not just going to sit here and just push your calories down more and more and give you more activity and hope that things work in the next three months. That's a sign that, look, your body's not ready for this. You still haven't fed up long enough because the reality of the situation is a lot of uh, people, especially females, it takes, you know, getting their caloric intake to a certain point to kind of turn their metabolism back on in general terms. But you have to keep it there for a certain period of time. You can't just all of a sudden you're getting all these positive adaptations and things look great. And then you go directly into a, a deficit and start dieting. Like you need to maintain that point for a while because if you've been pushing dieting for so long, your body is very smart and it, it basically will set these alarms in the system. Like, okay, you dieted for extreme periods of time and your body recognizes that. So it's like, no, this is a protective mechanism. I'm going to downregulate all these functions to, to survive and to keep doing what I need to do to, work, to maintain homeostasis in a sense. So if you just feed up, and all the symptoms go away that you were dealing with, all the negativity, but you haven't maintained that, and then you dive right back into a deficit, your body will recognize, oh, oh, less energy is coming in, less food's coming in. Nope, can't have that. So I'm going to automatically just start downregulating all these functions again really quick. And then it's like, shit, now your BMR is already tanking really fast, and now you have to keep dropping calories lower and lower to try to keep up with that, and it's just a bad place to be in. So you have to be able to feed up, keep it there for a certain period of time, so when you do that, your body is honestly in this place to where, okay, it's fed me, you know, I'm being fed plenty of energy for a long enough period of time that it's not going to kind of take that as an alert or an alarm that it's a negative thing happening because I have less food coming in. So the adaptations aren't going to happen as fast. Obviously, we will always get metabolic adaptation when you're in deficit. Obviously, that is normal function, but we just don't want that setting in like right out the gate as soon as you go into a deficit. It should just happen at a small, gradual process, not just tank at the beginning of a diet. Because if that happens, that's where people get in trouble because then they start forcing their body to try to lose all this fat. When you, like one weekend, I'm not losing anything, so I'm gonna drop my lower. Oh shit, I'm not losing anything. I'm gonna keep dropping lower. I'm adding more and more cardio. You know, and it gets worse and worse and worse. Absolutely. And it sounds like from earlier you mentioned, at the very least, you like to see a one-to-one -one ratio of dieting to time away from dieting, correct? At a bare minimum. Yeah, if someone's healthy. Now, if they come to you and they've been in this, you know, kind of negative place for a while, you, I mean, obviously they've been yo-yoing for the last two years. That timeline's thrown out the window with that ratio. Like you just, they need to be fed up for a period of time. Now, this is not to say like, we go through a whole year or a year and a half of just like you're just pushing a surplus up, 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 up. Like you can't do that because just gaining excess weight or fat isn't going to be conducive either for their health or their long-term goals. 
So yes, there'll be little short periods of like, okay, we're going to pull back just for like three weeks, maybe four, and then we'll push right back up. So you okay. can kind of think of like their breaks that are thrown in there to help, you know, keeping up with insulin sensitivity and any negative down regulation and any other function. Like, so it's not like just this pure linear, like food, 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 food. And then all of a sudden you go back into a deficit going the other direction. You know, there's ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys through there. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. This has been such an insightful conversation, man. I know I've learned a ton and I know listeners will have as well. First, I want to ask for the coaches listening that might want to like have a better grasp of everything that you discussed here. Are there just like a couple general resources that you would point people towards to like, okay, here's how like you are just stuck in like just the macro coach or like, hey, I'm very basic with my training. Are there a couple like, or even if it's like your own content, like anything you would direct those coaches towards? I mean, obviously other than us, like I was obviously because we do mentoring and stuff, but I mean, at the t- I mean, obviously everybody has their limits and we're full at this point, but you know, obviously me and then anybody that I follow, but like if you're looking for like probably the closest thing with the training is definitely going to be in one um, that I see the most benefit in there, the, the, what they put out. Um, Cass, I've been friends with him for a while. But like I was in like the first beta group, like when he first came out with the education and stuff and doing all the testing there as the, obviously it's evolved in what, to what it is now. Um, I love his thought process and how he does things. Um, Paul Carter, another phenomenal source, especially with the training and like biomechanics aspect. So when it comes to training and stuff, I drift towards them because of the way they lay the education out. It's easier to understand and break down, especially with programming and biomechanics. Um, as far as the nutrition, you know, hormonal side, this is where it gets a little more tricky uh, <laughs> because it's like you need to build foundations to like take things up, 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 up. Because uh, a lot of people like want to dive into gut health and, you know, the intricacies of hormones when they just need to understand basic, like just nutrition and uh, micronutrients and just that normal pathway. Um, I would say on a base level to learn like with hormones and stuff, Sam Miller is great because he's got his 12 week um, education course, which will give you a great foundation uh, for all the hormonal functions and thyroid to get you started in a foundational perspective. Um, obviously, one of my good friends and definitely been a mentor of mine, Vince Pitstick uh, with Nutrition Dynamic. You know, he has his um, uh, metabolic mentor, like courses that you can purchase on his website. Um, and he goes into detail uh, with a lot of things that uh, a lot of the industry doesn't. Um, and then outside of that is just, you know, continuing to read, uh, research. Now, the watch the research part because there's a fine line in there because a lot of people don't really know how to interpret research properly. So they'll take little snippets of research and then they'll just start applying that to everybody. And it doesn't work that way. It's a good guide, but don't make your methods and stuff based purely on research because you need to understand that's controlled groups, specific demographics that these tests are being done on. So it's like, eh, take what you can from those and just, kind of correlate it with how physiology works, but don't make it a be all end all because experience, observational evidence, um, and will kind of dictate how you should do things and not like, I don't like pure science based and I obviously don't like pure bro science type stuff. It's like experience with the education needs to be integrated because there's an art of coaching. Um, like a lot of things we do is outside the box. Like we don't follow this like one path of how you should do certain things. 
because if we did, we wouldn't get results. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're still practicing and playing with to try to optimize our systems with people. Like honestly, what we do with a lot of clients, I can tell you 90% of coaches don't do. Um, and we see that because when we get the reaction from the client, we send them their protocol, especially if they're unhealthy, they're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> obviously we explain things to them, but you just can't, you can't do the same shit over and over. That's like literally the definition of insanity. Why would you keep repeating the same process if it's not working? There's a reason it's not working. And you got to kind of think outside the box. Absolutely. And I think this is very, both for someone that's trying to transform their physique or for a coach, like coach, you know, there's anything either way, like that's an important thought process to apply. So now that you've plugged everyone else's stuff, will you tell people where they can find you and what you guys have going on? Anything you might want to plug? Yeah. Um, obviously you can find me on my Instagram, which is at Alan Kress underscore IFBB pro. Um, we are honestly in the process uh, of kind of rebranding in a sense. Um, we just, you know, we had some coaches under us, but we just hired, um, three more coaches to come under us. Okay. Um, and I think people need to understand, like, cause I get this a lot because like they're attracted to me or my wife, Nicole, and they want to work directly with us all the time. This is the whole reason for us bringing on other coaches. Cause obviously we can't coach everybody, but just understanding that, look, we're not just hiring coaches and like just throwing them out there to in, in deep end and hoping they'll swim. Um, they have to go through extensive processes to get these cases. Like we, they go through 32 weeks of like in-depth functional medicine training with us and modules and there's tests and, you know, assignments, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like you're just getting this coach. Like, unfortunately there is in the industry with some other teams out there that it's just coaches they bring on with zero education being put into the fact like ours is systemic because I'm not going to risk my reputation and what we put out there for just, giving, you know, just getting more clients on our team and pushing revenue up. That's the purpose of us wanting to make a change in the industry and to make an impact on people's lives. So all the coaches that come under us are being put through very like rigid things of educational um, stuff, components with hormones, gut health, all that stuff. And then obviously I'm still doing case studies with them and teaching them programming and all that. So people can be comfortable and they come to us and obviously they can't work with me directly or Nicole, they can, be at peace in their head like look you're still going to get quality coaching and we still oversee everything i still do all the the reading of blood work i still do all the reading of dutch panels to an extent when you know it's like more uh, high-end cases so to speak um, but we're just trying to create that um, bigger impact in the industry and we just need more team members to do that uh, so we can just help more people um, we are also obviously doing stuff with like uh, the Revive Wellness Clinic to where now we are like like kind of like a one-stop shop because we can do HRT if needed um, with any client in the U.S. Uh, we obviously telehealth and, we, and that can be like part of the protocol. Like if it's, if it's a client that needs that, nutrition, your training, HRT if needed, you know, whatever. We're literally trying to become a, like a one-stop shop with all this, you know, and, you know, thanks for like Dom who owns the, the clinics and stuff for, for bringing me in. So that's why we moved to Florida um, to do what we're doing um, and just bring a better atmosphere to where people's not having to go to 10 different doctors and stuff to fix any type of health issue. Um, that's like probably the biggest thing that we're doing as far as, you know, with the scaling of the business and, and just building it bigger. Um, we have our hands on some other things coming up in the near future, but there's just a lot of moving parts with 
with building these systems and, and, and doing all that. I need to start, I want to start mentoring again because I've had to put that on hold because of all this other shit going on. Right. And I may start doing that in the sense of doing it because I was just doing it one-on-one to doing it towards more of a group atmosphere so people don't have to wait as long because I had a list of like 20 people long trying to do that. And it's just, I can't, I wasn't bringing another one on so another one fell off. Right. So I'm going to try to do it in smaller groups of like three or four people so I can help more people out. I mean, obviously it'll help with a little bit with the price point as well and be a little bit more affordable for doing, you know, 12, 14 weeks of just mentoring and education. So hopefully when we get these systems in place, I'll be able to open that back up for individuals as well. And just, you know, cause my role is changing within the company. I, I will always coach and I was still coach to an extent, especially with some like the more extreme cases, but my role is more of, from the business perspective and education, um, getting things up and running with revived franchises and clinics and just doing the, the bigger stuff and then having my team underneath me to help with everybody else. Absolutely. That's, again, man, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I will link up all your content where everyone can find you in the show notes as well. And I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Oh, and we also, people don't know, we started our podcast with Revive too. Um, the Revivecast, um, which is purely, you know, health focused uh, stuff. I mean, also we still talk training and we've had IPU pros on there and stuff, but we're, we're getting that up and running to, but we're also, honestly, we're going to have things on there, like everything from Botox, because obviously the clinics that we have, we have access to all these different types of doctors. So right. we're really trying to diversify a lot. Like, you know, that's part of anti-aging. People love their Botox. They love those aesthetic type stuff. Right. So to get them to understand things on a deeper level, we're going to start throwing like crazy stuff in there, the peptides and just doing that as well. Absolutely. And that's, I've, I've been listening to the Rev Vibecast for the last couple of weeks. Very much enjoy that. So um, again, I'll link all that up in the show notes and thank you for being here, dude. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. It's a pleasure speaking and I'll see you anytime. I'm happy to come back on. Absolutely. Talk soon. Bye, man.